Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses, we'll be reading verses 1, or 21 through 23, but we'll be looking specifically at verse 22. The words will be on the screen for you to follow along, those of you who don't have a copy of the Bible for yourselves. Um, if that is indeed you, we, we have Bibles here up front and also in the back that we would be glad to, um, uh, to, to give to you as our gift. We'd love to you to have a copy of the Bible for yourselves, to, for your own study and edification um, and growth in God's Word. So feel free to see someone about getting one of those or just grab it yourself uh, uh, if you're able to. Um, we, have, we, won't, we, won't, uh, we will not um, protest uh, you taking a copy for yourself. Hear the word of the Lord through his servant, the Apostle Paul. And you, who are once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. And this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray together and then consider its meaning. Our great God, we pray now, asking for your help in this room amongst these people, that they would hear your word they would believe in its truth, submit to its authority over their life, obey all that it commands, to rejoice in the God who has spoken, to love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, to tell others of your saving love, and urge men and women far and wide, as far and as wide as we can go, to place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do a mighty work among us today. Inform us of our present status, those of us who are in Christ through his gospel. And for those who are outside of Jesus, who are separated from him, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, as verse 21 states, may they hear the invitation of the Savior to come and be reconciled. Do a mighty work in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this section, as, as we looked at last week, the Apostle Paul is stating what, in, in verses 21, 22, and 23, he looks at the, the, the Colossian believers, their, their past identity. They were alienated from God, hostile in their mind towards God, and doing evil deeds. And so we looked at that. We looked at how everybody... In their natural state, not, there's no special class of people that this described. This is universal. All people are born in a state of sin, and that alienates them from God. They are hostile in their mind from God, so they're not just neutral against God. They are actually hostile. They do not love God in their hearts and their minds, and the result is that they do evil deeds. That's everyone. Now, it, it manifests itself differently. There are some it manifests himself through uh, 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 organized crime as an extreme. Or there are some that manifest themselves in just telling little white lies to their neighbors and friends, not being honest or truthful. 
they're both expressions of this from the same fountain. Uh, they're just more dramatic. You know, you, you hear of a man doing evil deeds yesterday and shooting up a synagogue in Pittsburgh. And that came from the same fountain, that same hostility, that same alienation, those evil deeds, the same f fountain or source of evil as that which someone who is not truthful or is a gossip or full of pride. It may look very different. One makes the news and causes fear and terror to, to, to pulsate through a country. The other just brings alienation and, 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 and relational, relational distress. But they all come from the same source, the same fountain. And we are all identified as that. Again, there's no one in this room that was exempt from that. No one was born godly. We were all of us alienated, hostile in mind, and doing evil deeds. That was who we were. But if you're in Christ, if you have believed on the saving work of Jesus, then verse 22, Paul says, but he reconciled us to himself through Jesus's death in his body. So Jesus, we're about to celebrate Christmas coming up. I know you're like, let Halloween take its play, let Halloween take its course in Thanksgiving. But for me, November 1st becomes Christmas season and it lasts somewhere to around February. So fooey on you. Um, we celebrate the incarnation, God becoming man. We don't just celebrate the birth of Jesus. I say this year in, year out. We celebrate the incarnation. God became man. And the purpose of God becoming man was so that he could, through his bodily death, so Jesus was born of a virgin, a real, genuine, 100% human being, the divine became man, he retained his divinity, but he also became, took on flesh. And as a 100% genuine human being, lived a faithful life unto God, obeying God in every respect. So he was not born alienated or hostile, and he did no evil deed. Matter of fact, he was born Without, that, without any stain or a result of sin in himself in any way, was never hostile towards God in his mind. His whole person was given over to the love of God and faithfulness towards God. And every one of his deeds were righteous and pleasing to God. Jesus did this for us, for our sake. Because we... What Jesus was, we were supposed to be, always. We were supposed to be not alienated to God, but with God. Not hostile in our minds towards God, but loving God. And our deeds were not to be evil, but our deeds were to be good. Deeds of love and service and devotion to God. But sin wrecked that, and sin trans changed our nature and corrupted us. And, so, and God sends His Son to be the one human being whom sin never corrupted, never 
penetrated, never affected within, in, in, an, in an internal sense. Jesus never sinned. He was righteous and faithful. And what was the result of his life? He died. Well, that may sound confusing. Jesus did good things, but at the end of his life he dies. But he doesn't just die. He dies the death of a criminal under the sentence of death from a Roman governor. He, was, he had a death penalty given to him. He died as a criminal. And not just any criminal, but the worst types of criminal. Crucifixion was reserved for especially bad criminals. And that's how Jesus died. Why did he die that way? Because God, through Jesus' death, was reconciling us who were at one time alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. For Jesus' death was the death of the guilty, though it was not his own guilt. On the cross, Jesus took on the sins of his people. In some mysterious exchange, this righteous, faithful, obedient Son of God <coughs> hung on a Roman cross and God put the sins of his people on Jesus as if it were credited to him. These are placed upon you. You did not commit them. You are not guilty for them, but their guilt, their crimes, their sin, they go on you. And I will respond to those sins the way I would have responded if they remained on them. By letting my judgment and penalty and wrath against those sins to fall squarely on you. And you in dying in their place, save them from their sins. But not only that, your life of obedience, your record of faithfulness and love for God, and your good deeds are given to them. And it becomes their record. Your life of obedience is given to them, and it is as if they did those things. And you died as if you did those things. They did not do those things. But I am giving them to them. From you to them. And they will receive my response as if they actually did them. The response that you deserve, the, the reaction from me that you deserve for your obedience, I'm going to respond to them in that way. Blessing. Life. Adoption as sons. You will accomplish forgiveness of sins for them, for their sins were placed on you, and I will judge you for their sins as if you did them, though you did not. And this is what God did through Jesus, through his body. His body suffered. He, he, was, born of a, a, he was born of a woman as a man, as, as a human being, because humanity is who committed the crimes against God. So he couldn't send an angel to do it. Angels did not commit these crimes against God. He couldn't send rabbits to do it. Rabbits didn't do that against God. Rocks didn't do it. Planets didn't do it. Man did. 
And so he sent his son as a man to live the life that man should have lived but could not because of their sin and to die the death that man should have died for their sins. He did it both in his body, giving us the life we should have lived, taking away the death that we should have died. And the result is that sinful man through Jesus can be reconciled back to God. So remember last week, those of you who were there, and, and I'll, I'll bring you up to speed, those of you who weren't. We were, alien, we, are, we were alienated from God. We were separated, but this was not a neutral separation, kind of like uh, me and my high school reunion. I was, I've been separated from those who I graduated with over 20 years and now four or five states. Um, I don't know them anymore. They don't know me. Uh, we're alienated, so that's, but that's not, no one sinned against me from being for, and I did not sin against them from being alienated. It just it's what happened with time and distance. That's a neutral alienation. This is not a neutral alienation because we are hostile against God, angry at Him. We loved our alienation. We loved our separation from Him. God was offensive to us because we are hostile in our mind against Him. And our deeds were the results of that hostility. They were evil, disobedient. So what is God's rightful response to that? It should have been judgment. It should have been the outpouring of His anger against our sin. That was His right to do. If people, so if next week this person who uh, did this heinous deed in Pittsburgh of shooting a synagogue, if, all, if there is video evidence, eyewitness testimony, uh, 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 forensic evidence, all the evidence points conclusively, clearly, without any doubt, this person did it and they, and they, and they confessed to the sin, so all signs saying this happened from this man, and yet the judge says, I'm going to dismiss the charges. I'm going to give him a second chance there would be an outrage, rightfully so. This is a miscarriage of justice. This, this judge does not have the right to, to dismiss such actions when he has confessed, when all the evidence points to there, when guilt is firmly established. The judge does not have the right to dismiss. You say, well, is, why then is God not why are we not outraged at God? Because God did not dismiss our charges. Our charges stuck, but they stuck to a substitute. They stuck to a willing stand-in. Christ Jesus and His great love for us stood in our place and took our sin. This was done not to a people... Let me back up. In Kentucky, we had this situation where a young man, a close friend of one of the youth, I was a youth pastor too, and I ended up being a pastor in the town where, where this took place uh, just a few years later, but this young man was... was um, plowing his, his family field on his tractor and um, 
took try to get it up on a hillside got a little too ambitious and the tractor rolled over and the fender pinned him to the ground and because this young man was so young and so very physically fit the only reason why he survived but uh he he it was it was a traumatic situation and he was in the hospital for many 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 months they took significant portion of his um of his lower intestine from him and uh, but he survived but he's never going to be the, the 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 same again well the whole time that he, that he was in the hospital for those months his parents never left his side stayed in the hospital uh all the while they had a very large family farm that uh uh, and they made a lot of money from that. And what happened was all of his friends and all the community people, they were all farmers themselves. They would work their farm. And then when they were done with their day's work, they would go over and together tag team to work um, the hatchet farm for them. And it was a beautiful picture of community and self-sacrifice and service. But these people, uh, Mr. Hatchet is a, was a, is a godly man, loves the Lord. His friends uh, knew his, his love for them, and they knew that if it was their sons, Mr. Hatchet would be doing the exact same thing. So they gladly sacrificed their time, and Mr. Hatchet's farm worked and was managed without, without a hitch because of all, the, all the, uh, the, the help of his family and friends. Well, you can look at that and say, that makes sense. Mr. Hatchet is the type of man that would give the shirt off his back, would, would care for, and is kind and godly and pleasant and loving. It makes sense why they would sacrifice for Mr. Hatchet. And if you ever met him, you would know right away he's a very warm, pleasing, gentle personality. Um, he truly is a great man of God. I remember uh, when his um, grandfather died, his, um, his, his wife called me. Her name's Jeannie. She's beautiful. She goes, and this is the way she told me that her, her father-in-law died. She goes, well, she goes, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's dancing with Jesus right now. And it's like, yeah, well, he's Baptist. He doesn't dance, so you know, whatever. But uh, it, but it was just so such a such a wonderful family response, um, and uh, but it makes sense why they would help this person because he would help them. And maybe you look at what Jesus did and say, well, yeah, of course he he helps good people. He doesn't help bad people. But Paul here in verse twenty makes verse twenty one. I'm sorry, makes clear the very people that Jesus reconciled through his death were those who were alienated hostile and doing evil deeds and he did this out of his great love for us god did this out of his great love for us we were hostile to god and our deeds were evil in his sight and yet in his great love he put forward his son so as his son the sinless son of god was went forward and hung at the cross in isaiah in isaiah's prophecy in 52 and 53 it says that god crushed his servant for the iniquities of his people so this jesus death on the cross wasn't just God had to sit and watch his boy suffer. That's going to be hard enough. Some of you are parents and would, would agonize at the thought of your child suffering in any way. And there are some who had to have, have had to watch and witness and experience that hardship. It wasn't just God watched Jesus dying on a Roman cross and thinking, oh, this is gut-riching and heartbreaking. 
But God was serving judgment against Jesus for the sins of his people. His people's sins were placed on him and God was the active agent of that suffering because God in his love for his people placed the sins of his people on his son who was a willing sacrifice. Jesus was not duped into this. He knew this was his mission. He knew this was what he was going to do and he loved us. And so he gladly did it for the joy set before him, according to the writer of Hebrews. Jesus suffered, and God was the active agent of that suffering in punishing Jesus for our sins. And that's how Paul says, this is how you were reconciled to God. You who were alienated, hostile in mind, and doing evil deeds, he, out of his love, placed our sins on his son Jesus, and through his death, he has breached the gap. That alienation, he has closed it and drawn near to us. Again, I said this last week, this was not a mutual fault alienation where God did, you know, God kind of, he said some things when he was angry or hungry and he didn't mean it and you said some things and just had a misunderstanding. God had never aggrieved us. God had never sinned against us. God has done nothing but love us and show us compassion and kindness and love and yet we willfully, repeatedly, intentionally, and consistently ran against him, away from him, in our hostility, in our evilness. And yet, it says here in 22, he reconciled us to him through his body of flesh, through his death. It was precisely through this death Jesus is suffering that God brought us near. So do not treat this saving message of the gospel as a light thing. God will not be entertained by the idea that you can hear this word of His saving love and His mercy through the death of His Son, whom He punished in our place for our sins, though He was sinless, He will not be entertained by those who claim His name and say they have trusted and believed on Jesus and yet treat the gospel and the Christian life as no big thing. He will not be entertained by that. He will not bless any church or any person who says, this is what I believe and this is what I'm about, and yet you treat it as if it's no big thing. This word, this truth, this reconciliation of God is, is astounding. And who are we to act as if it is no big deal. Who are we to act as if it is inconsequential? You say, well, I, I would say that probably no one in here is willing to say, oh yeah, I don't think it's any big deal. You would never say that. No, that's a big deal. What are you going to do as soon as you leave here? What are you going to be about? Once you step out of this place, what is your schedule? What is your, what, are, what, what, what direction, what, what, how are you going to structure your day? 
What are your ultimate values? What type of speech is going to come out of your mouth? What kind of things are you going to ingest for entertainment and information? How are you going to, you know, how are you going to spend your time? Who are you going to surround yourself with? What are you going to pursue with all of your energy and vigor? Is it the things of God? Out of gratitude and thanksgiving for the new life that you have been given, the reconciliation that you, have, that you, have, uh, that you say you, you have received through Christ? Or is it going to be, you know, hey, I've I got to pay these bills. I've got to see this person. I've got to do this. I've, I've got to make sure I get myself in good with this crowd or this person's view of me. I've, you know, maybe there's a promotion waiting out there. I've got to go after that. I, you know, got to make sure my kids, you know, get all their schoolwork done and, and all this. And, oh, it's trick-or-treating. I've got to make sure I get candy for this or, or, or that. All these things are, none of these things are evil in and of themselves. But between now and next Sunday, if an entire week has gone on and your life it was unaffected by the truth that you just heard in any meaningful way, then I would argue that you do not believe it and you do treat it as an insignificant thing. My brothers and sisters in this church, I would say that is the diagnosis of what ails us mostly. Is that our reconciliation through Jesus, the, the gospel that we claim to believe, the gospel that we proclaim to all those families that came, if those same families came and said, let me watch your life for a week. My, my trunk yesterday was L&M, Law and Messiah. God gave his people the law to teach them how they are to live, but the law could not save, and so he sent his Messiah to rescue his people from their sins. That's, that's what I told the people that came to my trunk. If they said, I, you say you believe in Messiah, you say the law cannot save you. We, heard of, we go to the various trunks and there's teachings about resurrection and Jesus' death on the cross and new life and, you know, and feasting in the house of Zion and all that that, that, that takes place. Can I watch your life for a week and see if, that, if what you're claiming in this presentation makes any difference to you? Or will you look just like me? Will your days look like mine? It's just that you go to church on Sundays and I stay home and watch football. Does your speech sound like this? sound like me and my pals at work? Or does it sound like someone who, has been, who was once, according to Paul, alienated, hostile, and doing evil deeds, but now has been reconciled to God? Does that make, do you look like someone who's been reconciled to God, or do you look like someone who's still alienated, hostile, and doing evil deeds? If we believe what we believe about what we once were in our sin, alienated, hostile, doing evil deeds, but now have been reconciled to Christ, it will change the way we live, affect how, what we do, affect where our hearts and our affections are, and the world should be able to see the difference. 
Because for Paul, this has to do with core identity. You were once this, but now you are this. And the new reality has, we'll look at this next week in, in, in uh, uh, more clearly. So in, in a weird way, this week's sermon actually should be next week's, but whatever it happens. If you are truly reconciled to God, then you will continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, immovable, not giving up the hope that you have heard in the gospel. So my brothers and sisters, let me say what I think ails us most in this church is that top to bottom, I do not think that we are gripped with the reality of the fact that we were once these alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds people who have now been reconciled to God through the death of His Son Jesus, the Holy One taking our place and our sin on Himself, dying under the wrath of God to set us free from the penalty and the power of sin. Don't think, top to bottom, that our church can be said that we believe this thoroughly and it affects everything that we do don't think we're there yet but my hope is that you would be that we would together go there but first you have to be honest with yourself first you have to be honest and say yes if you were to look at my life or actually no if you were to look at my life you would not find a life that that was once alienated hostile in mind doing evil deeds, but now has been reconciled to God, I, I think you would say my life still looks like the alienation, hostile to God, doing evil deeds. I would say that would still be me, who I am. For I can't remember the last time I prayed intentionally, like setting aside time to just pray for things other than you know, help me with my day, bless this food, things like that. But I pray for the lost. I pray for God's glory. I pray for the church. I prayed for God's missionary activity across the globe. I pray for the, the gospel to advance in the world. I, I, didn't, I, I can't remember the last time I prayed for those things. I can't remember the last time I sat down intentionally and, and opened God's word and, and, and read it expecting God to speak to me and expecting to and intending to obey and listen to this word. I can't remember the last time I went to church because I love God and I want to be surrounded by His people to add my voice to the corporate singing of praise to God. Not just songs that are familiar, not the songs that make me feel comfortable or that, are, that, that, that remind me of a time of nostalgia or anything like that, but that are songs that I sing with, with joined voices with the people of God unto Him for what He has done for us through His saving work on the cross of Jesus. I can't remember the last time I shared the gospel with someone. I heard their need and I... And I, op I put myself out there to tell them of the good news, the gospel, because they needed it. And I love them. 
though I may, they may have been a complete stranger for me, to me. We can do trunk or treat every week of the year. I, for Brittany's sake, we're not going to. And I, it was a tremendous, tremendous thing. I was so thankful that, um, that Brittany did what she did and said, I want to do this. And, you know, she was very humble and said, maybe we should do it next year. But we did it this year. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the way that she organized and structured and that, that every trunk, there was a gospel presentation. And there, basically, if you came to our trunk retreat, there was an opportunity of three very clear gospel presentations. Each trunk, the passports that we, had, we gave out, and the, um, the a gospel track. So at least three, possibly four, if any of us shared the gospel with, with people. So great, great stuff. But if we do things like that, but we don't, love the Lord and we are not transformed by the reality of what the scriptures here teach that we have we were once alienated and hostile to God but now have been reconciled to God I don't think it'll matter as much as we would hope it would matter but if we do something as simple as give a cold cup of water to someone who has need out of an overflowing abundance of love to God because of what he has done, how he has tr transformed us in Christ. That will do infinitely more than every, every outreach, refuge meal, Christmas caroling, anything we can do that may look grand and picture-worthy. But if it's done without a love for God because of his saving work through his son Jesus, I don't think it will matter. So my brothers and sisters, this, I did not, this is not the sermon I planned. So I'm going to basically just take that sermon and preach it next week. If you have been truly transformed by the saving work of Jesus, you are new in Christ. And that newness in Christ has realities that make themselves known by your fruits. Jesus said, a good tree does not bear bad fruit and a bad tree does not bear good fruit. So you shall know them by their fruits. Is there fruit in our lives, individually and collectively, on the basis of this reality of the being reconciled to God, being made new be, because of Christ's death. Does that matter to us? Is that, a, is that visible to anyone who would watch? Do we, if you, con, again, you take that contrast, you once were this, but now you are this. If the watching world can't see any hint of this in you, of being reconciled to God, then there's only one conclusion you can make. That maybe you have not been reconciled to God. Maybe your, your profession of faith is a false one. Maybe you're still alienated, hostile in mind, and doing evil deeds. Because if this church is filled with people who have been reconciled to God in Christ through his death, and we have truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good, truly 
ingested the gospel reality, it will transform what we do as a church. We will look different. We will be different. Our activities, our, our priorities, our work will be in conformity to that new reality. So let me appeal to you, brothers and sisters, with this contrast in mind. Individually ask yourselves, who am I? Am I alienated from God? Hostile? In mind? Doing evil deeds? Ask yourself, are you resentful of God? Do doing the things of God, are they just distasteful to you? Do you roll your eyes every time there's something new on the church calendar that maybe you're expected to be at? Do you scoff at the idea that you, there is a such thing as daily devotion to Bible reading and prayer? Do you justify and argue and convince yourself that it's okay not to do basic, basic devotion to God? He understands because I'm busy. We do this thing, started in when I was a youth pastor here, sometimes unsightly. We Jesus juke each other. Someone says something, I'm tired. Well, was Jesus tired when he died on the cross for your sins? And, you know, it's, it's a silly, stupid thing. I'm about to Jesus juke you, though. I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm under a lot of stress. Was Jesus busy? Too busy? To reconcile you to the Father? It cost him his life. Was he too tired? He didn't sleep the night before. He prayed and sweat drops of blood. He was under such duress that drops of blood fell from his skin onto the ground. Was he too stressed to do and fulfill his father's plan for you? He did so out of his love for you. If you have tasted and received that gift of his forgiveness, I think that there will be a noticeable observable it may be slight but it will be there love for god and the things of god and service unto god and it will be observable to an entire church so my brothers and sisters let me ask let me say this finally and appeal to you be honest with yourselves who are you are you alienated Hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. In order to pretend that you're a Christian, you kind of have to tilt your head and wink one eye and, you know, like the rabbit ears, old, televi or old uh, television antenna system. You know, you just had to get it to stand just the right way and you get the faintest of signals. If that's you, maybe you have to conclude that you are not reconciled to God and you need to repent. Believe on Jesus and be saved for he loves you he did all this for you he suffered and died for you repent turn away from your sin and your hostility against god and your doing of evil deeds and truly find life in jesus i don't care if you're in a place of leadership i don't care if you're if you're if your name is on one of the nominating committee uh suggestions and you're 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 afraid to put yourself forward as saying i, I I am 
not been reconciled to God. I, my heart does not love the things of God. There is nothing observable about me that would put me in that place. Repent, I would say, and believe. Square with your Savior. And then deal with the, deal with the reality of, of what your church thinks of you. Square with Christ. Believe on Him and be saved. And if you are in Christ... If you know, no, I have truly been reconciled to God. I, 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 have, I know that I cried out in my, in, my, in my helplessness that Jesus would save me, and I know that he has rescued me and saved me, but through the course of life and all the various happenings, I have not been faithful to live as I ought to live. To that I say, look up, dear saint. Look up. The Spirit indwells in you. God's power dwells in you that enables you to overcome sin and disobedience. Rise up in faith. Walk with Christ. Hold fast to your testimony. Hold fast to your confession. And start this moment to live resolved, to resolve to live in obedience to Jesus and all that He commands. And let it, let it fill this place. Even if our numbers are small, if this place is filled with those who love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and live as those and truly live under the reality that we are the reconciled to God through Jesus, the power that will come from this place will be immeasurable. 